Let's go to some new research from the Heringawaka Victoria University of Wellington, which is showing warming waters are putting our kelp forests in danger. Let's hear some more about this uh, pretty alarming state of affairs. We're going to talk to marine biologist Dr Christopher Cornwall, who, along with a team of scientists from around Aotearoa, has been investigating stressors on seaweed ecosystems. Kia ora, welcome Christopher. Kia ora, hello. Thanks for being with us today. Tell us what is so important about kelp? Yeah, they're extremely important to Aotearoa New Zealand. So they're culturally and economically really important as well as the ecological function they provide. So they're sort of the food and habitat for many marine species that live in our waters. So think about pawa, kina, a lot of our finfish species. They're really important as both food, habitat and nursery environment for them. And so if those kelp forests begin to dramatically decrease or indeed disappear, what's the consequence? Yeah, there's quite drastic consequences. So a lot of these species that we cherish, they're going to be badly impacted in the future due to the effects of climate change. So these seaweed forests, not just the seaweed forests, but also smaller seaweed species are all food for uh, invertebrates that are we call herbivores, so pawa, kina, etc., We'd expect they're going to decline in the future, or at least their growth rates will start to decrease due to the impacts of climate change on their food supply. But there's other processes as well that are really important that seaweed play. So, for example, if you go out snorkeling uh, in the uh, ocean, you'll see rocks covered in pink stuff. That pink stuff's what we call coralline algae. It's a calcifying red seaweed. And it's really important for invertebrate larvae. It emits chemical cues in the water that tell the larvae of pawa, kina, and other things overseas like corals to come back to that area. That's a good place to settle. So without those coral and algae, those organisms are going to be badly impacted. You mentioned it's climate change. Um, what exactly is the aspect of climate change that is particularly threatening the kelp forests? Yeah, there's, there's actually a range of stresses, unfortunately. So ocean warming is the most obvious one. So ocean warming, uh, it can alter the ranges and physiology of different seaweed species. So particularly species in the, the northern edge of their range, we expect they'll retract further down. So if we think about in New Zealand, we have important giant kelp species and also bull kelp that are really important habitat providers in the north edge of their range. So towards the southern end of the North Island, and the northern end of the South Island, they'll start retracting down the country. So that's one stressor. We also have uh, marine heat waves caused by ongoing ocean warming. So these heat waves, unfortunately, are predicted to increase in frequency, intensities, and durations as time goes on. And also, we have other processes, so coastal darkening of our oceans and also ocean acidification caused by CO2 emissions themselves. What's coastal darkening? Uh, so New Zealand's a really geologically young um, landmass, and we have a, quite a lot of erosion that's occurring on our landmass due to the processes of um, increased urbanisation, development, and also farming. So when we remove native trees, what's happening is a lot of that soil comes off in these uh, extreme weather events, for example, or just when it rains in general. So coastal darkening is a process where because of climate change, it's expected that we're going to have more frequent and intense storms. So think about Cyclone Gabriel, for example. All that uh, soil from the land is essentially going into the ocean. 
And the turbidity of our oceans is starting to increase over time, unfortunately, and that, that sort of acts to limit the photosynthetic rates of seaweed. So seaweed need light to live, and without light, certain seaweeds can get excluded from areas or they can creep up the reef um, towards shallow areas. There's less habitat for them, mm. and they can decrease their productivity in general. So what sort of um, research are you able to do here? What kind of tools are you employing to have a look at this in greater depth? So amongst all the author team, all of us and other scientists in New Zealand are using mixtures of approaches to understand how climate change impacts Aotearoa New Zealand seaweed species. So we use field observations, so what happens, what's happening due to coastal darkening or after these marine heatwave events, we've seen changes in seaweed abundances or productivity. But we also simulate the effects of these different climate change stresses. So for example, in the laboratory, we can we can have a window into the future by simulating the effects of different temperatures, heat waves, uh, coastal darkening events, and also the effects of ocean acidification. Okay, so what sorts of conclusions are you able to come to, and what can science do to help? Uh, there's a lot of conclusions we've come to. So we've got some sensitive species in New Zealand we think are probably going to be poorly poorly impacted by climate change, so the giant kelp and the bull kelp, for example. Also, these coralline algae that are sensitive to acidification. Um, but we can see that in the north of New Zealand, we also have problems with uh, expansion of an invasive, well, not invasive, but a sea urchin from Australia, or it's native to Australia, maybe native to New Zealand as well. Populations of this Australian long-spined urchin are increasing, and they're causing the overexpansion of these uh, barrens areas in the northern New Zealand, and that's also a problem. So in terms of what we can do, uh, we can manage different reefs uh, to limit the impacts of climate change on seaweed. So if we stop overfishing, there's predators of these and um, these long-spined urchins, for example. If we can limit sedimentation impacts, um, but also if we can restore habitats that have already been impacted by sedimentation or overfishing as well. What are the predators to those sea urchins? Uh, mostly snapper and rock lobster. So we've we've seen we've observed overseas in Australia similar changes. So this urchin species that likes warmer water, and over in Tasmania, for example, they've seen over the last fifty years decline in their kelp forest systems as this urchin species has managed to get hold and then expand. Uh, but in marine reserves, they've found that the numbers of large crayfish and snapper are, are, are more, and so they can keep the numbers of those urchins down. And so similar things could also occur in New Zealand, but it's a, a little bit more complex here in New Zealand because we also have our native kinner as well. Hmm. Um, is there any way that we're able to um, try to save some of these species by breeding the organisms yeah. for the future? Yeah, we can definitely do that. So we can't really restore the ecosystem to what the, what it was like 150 years ago, but we could restore for the future. So, for example, there are programs where people are thinking about breeding temperature-tolerant or low-light-tolerant strains of different populations of seaweed species. So by doing that, that's, a, that's one way we can also uh, protect these species for the future. We can also think about uh, selecting for ocean acidification tolerant coralline algae as well, which is something that we know is possible from previous research done overseas. Okay, but presumably the current environment is sufficiently complex that choices would have to be made about 
what sorts of things would be able to be saved? Yeah, so exactly. We can't save the, all 1,100 species of seaweed in New Zealand. Um, I wouldn't say that all of them are going to necessarily go extinct, but they all be will be impacted in terms of their physiology and their reproduction, etc. Uh, but there will be choices that will have to be made about storing some of the um, some of the juvenile. Uh, spores, for example, or gametophytes, what we call the really uh, juvenile versions of some of these kelp species in banks where we could potentially start to breed these temperature-tolerant species. Um, but yes, we'll have to select which ones, unfortunately. Hmm. What can people do? Uh, is there anything that you know regular people can do to help? Yeah, I guess the main thing that we can all do is limit our own greenhouse gas emissions and also sort of keep the pressure on uh, for larger organisations to and governments here in New Zealand and overseas to also limit CO2 emissions. So, for example, um, limiting fossil fuel emissions by making it easier to have electric vehicles or transforming most of our electricity so that it's not sourced from fossil fuels. These are some of the major things we can do. Um, but on individual levels, we can also, when we're thinking about if we need, we're going out and getting crayfish or snapper, do we need the extra one or two, or can we just be fine with taking a small number that would feed us, for example? So limiting our effects on overfishing too would help. Indeed. Good advice. Thank you very much for your time today on Afternoons. Dr Christopher no Cornwall there. Kia ora. Thanks for being with us from Te Heringa Waka, Victoria University of Wellington.